he who wants to be first of all will be last of all and servant of all. Gentlemen, you are in the right place. This is Last in Line Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Shibley, and I just read you from Mark 9.35. That scripture is all about servant leadership, and that's what we're about here. The podcast that showcases and highlights great leaders of faith, people who have walked the journey of leadership, who have served, who have sacrificed, who have developed discipline, courage, and resilience. You've come to the right place. This is Last in Line Leadership. Psalm 127, 3-5 says, Children are a gift of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. As arrows of the hand of a mighty warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He shall not be ashamed when he speaks with enemies at the gate. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. You guys probably know those scriptures because 90% of you have children. It is contrary to unpopular belief that children might be an obligatory nuisance or a burdensome uh, obligation of some kind uh, and a responsibility that maybe a parent thinks they didn't sign up for. None of you listening feel that way, but... I want to set the stage for what I'm going to talk about on this episode that I'm calling Honing Heroes. And we are to sharpen heroes in our children. We are to refine them, hone them. Uh, We have a huge responsibility, but not a burden. And sometimes when those obligations of raising and stewarding and cultivating and nurturing and loving children can feel like another thing on the to-do list, can feel like the expense that we just maybe can't afford and look no further than, you know, abortion statistics. And I don't have those, but there are several Uh, countless people, in fact, that feel like that burden is not worth, right? The juice isn't worth the squeeze, and so we're going to abort that mission, literally. And none of you on this, uh, in this audience, are believers in that. In fact, we're believers in the opposite. And so to the crowd that I'm talking to today is the people that view parenthood as an honor, a privilege, um, not a right, not something we deserve, something that we should steward and take um, and be grateful for, never take for granted. And and I'll say we, you know, been guilty of probably taking a lot of things for granted in my life when things get overwhelming and you feel like you're falling short and you're not doing uh, the duty to the fullest of your ability or what you were called to, you feel like that maybe you question the, I don't know, the the goodness of it or the full extent of the blessing of it. 
Well, one thing in my life, I think I could probably say that I, I don't ever take for, I won't say ever, maybe 1% in my 25 years of being a parent. Have I ever taken it for granted? Um, it, it just always has been something that I see as being of paramount importance. And I grew up with a good dad. Um, he did not grow up with a good dad. My grandfather was not. And so my dad was the opposite of what he saw growing up. And I've tried to even improve on the example I had, but I don't know that my dad ever really gave a whole lot of thought to some of this we're going to talk about today. And I don't know that he ever considered me a potential uh, hero in life. And so I want to set the the stage for what I mean by hero. And we'll just go right out of Merriam Webster dictionary that says that a hero is a man distinguished by exceptional courage, nobility, and fortitude. A man who is idealized for possessing superior quali qualities in any field. So being superior in <clears throat> our endeavors and to show exceptional courage and nobility, virtuous behavior and fortitude, I'll add, you can add any other sort of adjective in there, resilience, those kinds of things that uh, define what we think biblical masculinity is. And I'm going to tell you, we have the responsibility to raise people that fit in that description. We, even though they are, you know, young teenagers, young adults, it's time to raise a warrior spirit in our children. It's time to raise an army of courageous heroes. And yeah, of course, hyperbole will tell you heroic means to go in, rush in the burning building and save the the life of, you know, a child or a, a person in need. And, and, you know, that, that is courageous. That is heroic, but that's not in a box, the definition of heroic it's including, but not limited to. And so our kids are heroes in the making. I will say they, of course, are consuming more than they're producing under our roof, which makes them not quite yet adults. Male and female, maybe not man and woman, but we have responsibility to, to forge that characteristic of heroism in our children, boys and girls. Um, and it, I may kind of bend toward boys a little bit more in this conversation just from a I don't know a warrior mentality but this goes for my daughter too I have three boys and a, and a girl my daughter's 15 my I have a son that's 17 a 22 and a 25 and I don't know you know I I wish I would have thought this way 20 years ago but I will say there were aspects of our parenting that were along these lines, really without us knowing it, I guess. Subconsciously, I may have done more of this than I thought I was doing without calling it that mainly because my kids have turned out to be heroes in the making, I will say. They're on a great track. I don't know that they've done any superb acts of heroism to this point, 
if you're talking sensationalism and uh, magnificence, I will say, though, kids who keep their head down, their nose clean, care about other people, and work hard and accomplish very significant milestones um, and have a level of significance and success in their life to the point wherever they're at, I, I would say that's heroic. Back to that, you know, exceptional courage. I think courage is relative. You know, as a teenager, courage could be going down the right road when all your friends are going down the wrong one. Courage could be serving in church in your youth group when your other friends are sitting in the back row just because mom and dad made them go. Um, to me, that could be their version of courageous. Whereas my version of courageous might be, you know, carrying some buddy that falls down or picking them up or, uh, I don't know what, what else is courageous on my end, but maybe courageous is resisting temptation to honor, uh, my family. And so it it's relative is my point. And so the word hero comes really from the Greek that means protector and defender. Now, of course, our children are not necessarily protecting or defending right now, but it's our job again to forge that in them, to create training environments and learning opportunities um, to pour into them wisdom from our experiences that will eventually become that protector and defender that they will need to be when they step into that role. And there's a lot of people right now that are stepping into that role that were never prepared for it. So regardless of whether or not they were trained to be protectors and defenders and heroic, they're going to be forced to be in that situation to prove their worth as a hero and a protector and a defender. And, and a lot of them and what you'll see, and if you've looked in culture at all, we have a lot of men specifically who have dropped the ball there. They haven't been shown, but they also haven't stepped up to take the initiative to learn and to train and to exhibit those qualities. So guys, just like the scripture said, train a child up in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So when they get older, we it's our job to train them as heroes, as if they were. You know, we used to, as I was coaching baseball, I'd, I would always tell the guys, play as if, right? As if there's a scout in the stands. As if you're a major league player. As if everything you touch turns to gold on the baseball field. Like, get that in your mind that you're playing as if. And then fill in the blank. So we have to train our children as if because they are becoming those young adults who will protect, uh, provide, defend, produce. Okay. So it's up to us. Um, it, we really do need to build heroes out of this next generation. And I know a lot of you are doing that. A lot of the people that you and I follow are very similar. We have crossover. We follow the masculine influencers. We follow the spiritual, um, spiritually wise individuals. We follow the physically resilient. And, and so we, we, we get exposed to that. So we are that too, you and I. Um, and so the Latin meaning of hero is noble man. Um, I think nobility is huge. 
that was in the dictionary definition earlier. So I, the Cambridge Dictionary says it's a person admired for bravery, great achievements, or good qualities. That's a good one to add to it, but I'm not going to beat the dead horse. I think you get what heroic is. And you're under your roof are potential or future heroes. And so it's time to see them that way. And I think if we see them that way, just like the Bible says, as a man thinks of, uh, so is he. So it's it's all about our mind and what we think of ourselves and what, what we become. What we see our kids is what we will train them as. As if heroes, we will train them as if they're heroes. And so that's our job. That's our responsibility. Um, I did a little research, not too much. Don't want to nerd out on you here, but in the Newport Academy, it's uh, a place where it's a network of teen mental health and substance abuse treatment centers. So network uh, net, newportacademy.com, go check them out. Um, I have no reason to pr promote them other than they just are someone, a source that I am quoting here. Um, they, they had an article, uh, there's a couple studies they cite, um, but talking about, because I'm going to go into five tips for you today uh, for training heroic kids. So five tips for that. Now, I would say by all, you know, intents and purposes, my kids are on the track to becoming heroes in my mind. And by the definition we listed earlier, and yours probably are too. But I feel like we're doing a good job here in this house um, of setting those standards, setting those values and principles. Now, yeah, they're not perfect. Nobody is. But they're on a track to actually be able to be significant members of society that further the kingdom and raise children that serve God. And that's what we want. So I got five tips for raising heroes. But in Newport Academy, I found that it talks about unconditional love and it talks about nurturing children and what that has what effects that has long-term. And some of you probably have heard these, but that's going to be my first one of the five is going to be teach agape love. Agape love. Google it on up. Unconditional. Okay. We got to teach the agape love, teach what Christ taught us, the Christian faith, teach that mom and dad love each other more than they love their kids. Like that's a big one for us. They need to know that I love their mom more than I love them. And mom comes before they do, and vice versa with my wife and I. So teach agape love, the unconditional, sold-out love for your kids and for each other, you and your spouse. Um, and and what, they will, what they have said in the Newport Academy is what they found was that <clears throat> because um, unconditional love is important because it affects so many aspects of mental and physical health. That's a duh, right? Like that's a no-brainer. Multiple studies have revealed that positive effects of love include healthier brain development, enhanced ability to forge positive relationships, greater stress resilience, stronger immune system. It's not just all about touchy-feely, love, fluffy, you know, I feel good about me, self-love, all this, which, of course, that's important, but there's even physical capability, strong immune system, okay, stress resilience, right? brain development, like this is important that we teach this agape love. And, and that one's probably first on purpose, whether I thought of it or not. The more I talk about it, it makes sense, right? You got to start there. 
got to start with the Christian faith and, and you got to start with what real unconditional love looks like, which look no further than Jesus. You got to get your kids there first or nothing else matters. Their Christian faith has got to be first. They learn love by watching Jesus. They learn how to serve and they learn what it means, what the gospel stands for, what sacrifice is. Okay. Um, the Newport Academy also uh, cited a study um, from McGill University that withholding love can actually have physical effects. I mean, of course, um, none of you do this, but I think it's important to understand by not doing that and doing the opposite and being that ultra love, ultra caring, ultra nurturing, affectionate, right, encouraging. Like, I think you're actually creating more physically resilient human beings. And so the McGill University in Montreal found that children who have authoritarian parents, so I'm saying I'm all for disciplinarian parents, and but authoritative parents, okay, dictatorship type parents, put too much focus on achievement, okay, and they rarely show affection. That's who we're talking about. In those cases, they're more likely to have obese children than ones who show affection regularly. Uh, a study of 40,000 children from ages 6 to 11, they found that authoritarian parents are 37% more likely to have an obese child. I, I don't know if any of you have ever had an eating disorder or anything, you know, an issue with food or your weight, but, I mean, we joke sometimes, and maybe we shouldn't, but eating our feelings, right? Emotional eaters, people that eat to feel better, Um that's obviously what they're doing. They're overcompensating for the authoritarian, non-affectionate, non-reinforcing, positively parent, and they're making up for in other areas, and so they're feeding themselves probably with junk, and they're obese, 37%, right? That's more than one out of three kids. That's brutal. Um, and, and subsequently, emotional neglect is a part of that. And it has biological implications, even all the way into adulthood. There's a, a study done in 2013 found that adults who experienced a lack of affection in childhood were more stressed and had greater disease risk. There it is, guys. So teach agape love. Be affectionate to your kids. Show them what mom and dad, that mom and dad know how to love each other. And show them the Christian love the faith of your Christian worldview, and show them Jesus. That's it. That's number one, okay? Number two, preach encouragement. So this parlays nicely in with number one. It reinforces the point of positive reinforcement, affection, uh, caring, nurturing, those kinds of things. Verbal encouragement, okay? It breeds confidence with their, your kids. If you're going to raise a hero, that hero needs to be if we're talking about the definition earlier, being courageous, like to have courage, you got to have confidence as well. So you got to know that you're capable of something, even though you're fearful, the courage is going through with it, but you have to get through and break through that barrier by having a little bit of confidence and knowing that you are capable. And so that comes as a parent that comes from positive reinforcement and encouragement. You've got to get, and you got to um, find out what your kid's love language is. You know, a lot of kids and, and self-included, a lot of adults I know, words of affirmation are their main love language. 
Um, you've got quality time, obviously, acts of service, gifts, physical touch, um, and words of affirmation, right? Uh, so if if your kid, you got to determine what their language is, what they what they respond to, what they're receptive to, what what kind of stirs them up and gets them more confident and gets them more affirmed words of affirmation gets them validated a little bit. Now, of course, we're not trying to raise kids who are depending on validation, verbal validation to define them, right. Or verbal encouragement to, to validate them because there are times where they need to have constructive criticism and correction. And, and we got to know that that's not going to destroy them because they were, so inflated by our positive words that our negative words are going to be uh, catastrophic. Okay. But to preach encouragement, this is number two, to preach encouragement it is to create the security in them. When they know that they've got somebody that's got their back and is in their corner, especially their parent. Now, I, I will say kids probably are just like, well, you're supposed to say that. Mom and dad, you have to be in my corner. You have to support me. Well, judging by the study I just said earlier, of 40,000 kids, 37% of them didn't have that, and they were obese because they had an authoritarian, non-affectionate, non-affirming parent. And so that's proof that we really need to create that security by preaching encouragement to them, okay? Be for them, okay? Not always, not always correcting them. And that's sometimes a, a trap I've fallen into is feeling like I've always got to be in coach mode, dad mode, train mode. And, and it gets a little bit, you know, you got to mix in some, you got to book in those, book in with positive, go in with some constructive criticism, then book in it with finishing with something positive. Um, but uh, again, another study, and this is probably the last one I'll come up with from that article, but 2012 study found that children with affectionate mothers specifically, have a larger hippocampus than those who have been emotionally neglected. And that is the part of the brain, the hippocampus is the part of the brain that controls memory, learning capabilities, and responses to stress. Now, that's a big one because we're preaching resilience. We're preaching courageous. We're preaching, you know, do hard things, voluntary hardship, respond, you know, bounce back, overcome. You, you know, we're teaching all these tough words but kids who had an affectionate mother, okay, the hippocampus part of the brain uh, was bigger and more capable. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's, that's number two, guys, uh, preach encouragement. So, again, we're honing heroes tonight. This is for you dads. Um, talk to your wives. Let them hear this, too, because this is really for both of you. Five tips for training heroic kids. First one is teach agape love. Second one's preach encouragement. Third one, foster curiosity and problem solving. Foster that. They need to know how to solve problems. They can't wait till they're out on their own to try to figure out when a problem happens, what do I do? Mom's been doing it all along for me. Okay, Mom's been cutting the crust off my sandwiches. Now what? I got bread with crust on it. Uh, you know, metaphorically speaking. So we got to teach them how to ask the right questions. Part of the success for me in sales has been, I mean, a lot of the success has been asking the right questions, talking less, listening more. Like we can't be giving our kids the answers every time. We can't keep 
taking the test for them, right? We can't keep writing their essays. We can't, we got to teach them open-ended questions, teach them questions that require some sort of elaboration uh, or a response of some substance from whoever they're talking to. They need to know where to go to find information. I'm not saying they got to know every answer right then, but they got to have the fortitude. Again, there's the word in our definition of hero. They got to have the fortitude, ingenuity, the drive and initiative to go find the information. I don't know it, but let me get back to you is one of those things I had to learn really well as a salesman early on before I learned the product completely or the process. If I didn't know the answer, it was one of those, you know what? That's a great question. I'd love to know the answer to that too. I'll get it for you and I'll get back and then follow up. They got to learn. They got to learn that. That seems obvious, but I'm going to throw that in. Once they know where to find answers, they got to follow up. But in, in everyday life, they can't keep having their shoes tied for them. It's, it's a little gross when they're getting in that, those teenage years and they're operating a motor vehicle by themselves and they still need mommy. Okay. I, I have, I've had to sort of review and refresh my kids on charging batteries, putting air in tires, uh, maybe even changing flats. I didn't do a great job of going into that with them. Um, it's kind of a, as it comes up, we, we address it, but giving you a little bit of a head start and you can be proactive teaching that, but yeah, foster curiosity, let them know that it's okay to ask questions, not to be contrarian or confrontational or adversarial with authority, but they need to understand why something is so that they can recall it next time. So that's locked in a memory once they know the why. So, and that's not one of the questions that you're going to train them to ask why you need to have them get a little more intelligent in depth with their questioning, but they need to ask the right questions, open-ended questions. They need to be curious. We need to stop giving them the answers. Let them go find it on their own. That's number three, foster curiosity and problem solving. That's what heroes do. They solve problems. They get answers to questions. They are curious as to why something is because they're not just going to take it at face value because the world says it. And I love that. And that's what heroes do. Number four, exemplify empathy and service. Now, I talk about service a lot on here because this is a servant leadership podcast. But to lead, you have to serve. Okay, you not all serving people lead, but all leaders should darn sure serve and heroes serve, in my opinion. Obviously, the guy with the cape swooping into the burning building is serving the person in need. He's rescuing, isn't serving sort of rescuing and vice versa. I mean, rescuing is for sure serving somebody. So our, we've got to teach our kids that it's it's not about them and the world's bigger than just their little pocket of the universe, and they need to be able to see beyond their own needs. Heroes do that. Protectors do that. Providers do that. Defenders do that. Like we said earlier, those are the characteristics of a hero. So now that you know that, think about it. Your kids really aren't too young to start formulating the hero mantra, mindset, behavior. The qualities, they're not too young to be heroes. Got to start building that now, doing those, getting those right reps in 
so that when they are old and, and are on their own and contributing and producing more, they need to be prepared. So they need to get involved in an outreach, get involved in a youth group, get involved something that's out there to serve, a food drive, a soup kitchen, I don't know, uh, a, a clothing drive, whatever. Like They need to understand there's a world that's hurting. There's people out there beyond themselves that need things. There are needs out there. And so they need to, that's what heroes do. They come and they, they meet needs. Okay. And, and teach them too. You know, when I think, when I think about empathy, it, it's all about being able to relate to that person, those other people in life, put yourself in those shoes, climb in their skin and actually seek to understand more than they need to be understood. Those kids of yours and mine, we're all they're, at their age, it's just sort of innate that they want to be heard, want to be understood, want to be um, not misunderstood, right? They want to be uh, related to. It's all about them. They need to flip that on its head and understand that it's, it's okay to understand other people, not just be understood themselves. And, and that's what I want. I think exemplifying empathy is when you're talking to your kids – you be a good listener. We're so conditioned as parents to be the talker, the 80-20, and we're doing 80% of the talking because they have so much to learn from us, which, yeah, we we are wiser because we've been around longer and have more experiences. I hope so. Hope you're wiser than your 12-year-old. But we need to be sitting and listening to show them, okay, we're exemplifying. We're the example of empathy. Show them we've been there. Show them we we know what they're going through and listen, they will understand at that point that it's important that they show that to other people. So teach them the, the seek to understand more than being understood. Teach them listening skills. If you listen to any podcast about how to be great in life, people who have been successful always mention that they were really good at listening when they were talking to clients, when they were talking to Peers, when they were talking to mentors, they just they knew how to listen and and learn and apply. And that's what we're trying to teach our heroes, our young heroes. So that's number four, exemplify empathy and service. And the last one here, number five, again, five tips, okay, for training heroic kids. We are honing heroes tonight. Number five is wait for it. You'll get it. You already know it. Build resilience. A lot of these things we've talked about actually do foster and cultivate resilience. But that's this is its own separate bullet because toughness will separate them from the rest of the world who is mediocre. It might even separate them from the above average people, the top 10%, okay, that gets them in that elite category of top 1% or 2% is resilience. The toughness physically and mentally will separate them because a lot of talented people will crumble when it gets too hard. Maybe they're good when it gets a little hard, but when it gets too hard is when they fold. Your kid, if you build that in them, and, and I don't have a list, an exhaustive list of ways to practically teach them to be tough. But it comes up during the day when they're young, they fall down, teach them to be tough. Doesn't mean you don't 
care doesn't mean you don't nurture them and, and nurse them back to health, but it means that they understand how to deal with the situation. We can let them experience pain, but we can also not let them stay in that suffering and victimhood. So toughness separates. Let them process the pain. It Again, it, it's inevitable, right? But suffering's voluntary, I think. And so I, I know that when my kids, look, my son broke his tibia and fibula freshman year in high school. He's a freshman playing varsity baseball, collides with the right fielder who's about a 200-pound senior, snaps his leg, and it is he it looked like he put his foot on backwards and so it's catastrophic you know and and so he's in shock and we get to hospital and they've got to set it back and man that was the worst pain he's ever been in his life okay had surgery screws in it uh still has a couple screws in his ankle right now but um he couldn't just lay around and 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 wallow in the trauma that he experienced because it was traumatic. I mean, we had to stay the night an hour and a half away and where the, the game was being played, his ambulance on the field, take him to the hospital, next day surgery. Like it's a whole thing. But then a couple of days go by and he's, you know, he's back out with the team. He's on crutches. He's doing, trying to do things. He's throwing the ball. Like he's trying to do things to stay sharp. You know, he could have sat around and felt sorry for himself. But that's not, A, it's not how he's wired, and maybe we had something to do with that. B, we didn't let it happen. Because you enable that, and it will actually grow. Whatever you feed grows, and if you feed that pity, and you feed that victim, it will grow. So let them process the pain, but then let them use it. Let them get past it. Um, but then building resilience, like you've got to encourage physical activity. We talk about voluntary hardship. Let them get outside where it's hot. Let them, I don't know, play a sport that maybe challenges and maybe not they're not the greatest at. Let them uh lift weights, you know, physical fitness. Um I you know, I wish I'd have had my kids do wrestling growing up, but um we were a baseball family and we just kind of got boxed in to that sport. That's what I knew the most about. Um and I was okay at it and my kids were really good at it. So I would have probably wanted him to get into wrestling. Um, but look, physical activity has got to happen. If you want to build resilience anyway, you want to build toughness because that's what's going to separate them. Look at the world. Look how fat we are as a people. Look how out of shape we are. Look how um, uh, feeble mentally we are. So um, the brain's a muscle. I, I say work that. If you want mentally tough, read, learn, get around good people that challenge you mentally uh, and physically got to get strong, got to get hard, harder. You know, you got to be able to resist certain things, elements, uh, resistance, whatever uh, opposition. Cause we are in a world where there is an enemy and, and physical or spiritual, we've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. So your kids to build resilience, you, that's the last one, but not least, right? You got to build that in them. Heroes are resilient. Heroes need to know how to fight through a little adversity. Heroes need to bounce back. Heroes need, in order to serve properly and fully, have to be capable. You don't ever see the skinny jean, like, 
flabby little bucko five, you know, guy swooping in to save the person from the burning building. Usually you see a guy that's pretty fit, right? Whatever caricature you want to put with that, but rarely is a hero, okay, going to be incapable physically or going to be non-resilient um, and going to be a pushover in that area. So build that resilience. All right, that's five. I can't believe it's already done. Went a little long-winded today, didn't I? But I think it's worth it, man. We're building heroes. We're honing heroes. We're tips tonight. Guys, tips. A lot of them you already probably do and know. Uh, a lot of your kids, you may think, eh, they're a little too young to be considering all this. They're really not. You've got to train them up in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they won't depart from it. Don't wait, right? It doesn't say train them up once they're older. Train them up in that way, and then when they get older, they're going to be ready, okay? So that's what I say, never, never too early for that. Again, the hero definition, a man who's distinguished by exceptional courage, nobility, and fortitude, a person admired for bravery, great achievements, and good qualities. Again, five tips for raising heroes. Number one, let me recap. Teach agape love. Number two, preach encouragement. Number three, foster curiosity and problem solving. Number four, exemplify empathy and service. And number five, wait, number four was exemplify empathy and service. Number five, build resilience. Guys, if I could count, this would have been a perfect episode but I can't. I think I got off track. But anyway, still wouldn't have been perfect. I hope this helped you. I hope it served you. I hope it equipped you. I hope it empowered you. I hope it got you confident to raise confident heroes. With that, be blessed.